welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors before I thank my special guest, John Keating. But uh, my sponsors are Top Spinning and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Arkansas Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsey.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. John, you emailed me. You had a little bit of a different take than some people. And I thought, let's bat this around. I think we share a love of analytics and we share a first love of baseball. But you've migrated a little bit from that and I've expanded as well. So welcome to the show, John Keating, and share a little bit of your collecting origin story and you know how you started and how you got to here. Thanks for having me, Dr. Jim. I was born in the, the middle of the, the pitching era in the late 60s and third of three sons to my family. We didn't necessarily play sports, but my family was definitely into watching sports. In fact, later on, I found out that my entire family had been Philadelphia A's fans when they were growing up, my parents and her side, so, and my mom and her side. So that was a shock as a diehard Phillies fan to find that out. But anyway, as mentioned, I was the uh, third of three boys. So you would think I would have inherited a nice set of cards by the time I started collecting. I can still envision that big box sitting on the front porch with the 73 Willie Mays on top and a uniform never to be seen again and every other card that was in that box probably 71 72 70s all that gone so i started my collection on my own wait a minute how did it get gone it was it was it left out for an enterprising young man in the neighborhood or what if he was driving a trash truck, yes, uh-huh. an enterprising young man driving a trash uh-huh. truck. So I, we all have that mom story. Most of us do. I know your story. You're a little bit more fortunate than I am in that respect. But I think by the time I started collecting on my own, my mom realized a mistake she made. So she always drove me to shows, drove me to shops. I walked a mile or two down to buy my packs or sometimes even a wax box back in the mid-70s. So I'd like to say I still have every card I own that I ever bought that I collected except for one, which is right behind you on your wall, satchel page. But anyway, I digress. Fortunately for me, I grew up in what I think of the golden era of collecting, going to these shows. It was really the only thing we could do was go to these shows other than going to a convenience store to buy a pack. I think the first big wave hit, I think we've been hit by several waves in my lifetime. The first big wave was in the early 80s when Fleer and Donruss came on. We bought all those Fleer, Donruss, Topps cars, the Fleer, that was a train wreck, so many errors, horrible photography, all that stuff. So they talk about the junk wax here, but I tend to think it arrived a little bit sooner than other people thought. And then we get to the uh, mid-80s, late-80s. I bought my wax case of 1988 Dunruss that is probably still sitting behind me as I speak in a junk wax year I was born. Uh, I was enabled the whole way by my mom, whether it was grades or a hit at the base of the Little League game, always buying me packs of cards and, and, and stuff like that. So I met a beautiful girl, married her. She did the same. She let me do whatever I want with my cards, which is why I've never had to get rid of them. Uh, moved them around California, Maryland. Uh, I live in Pennsylvania now, Philadelphia. Yeah. And then the final wave for me, the third and final, I guess, when you think of the 81s and then the late 80 junk wax was the uh, late 90s when eBay came on. And I started buying more cards. I started buying the, the slabs. And then home ownership and parenthood started, and I went dormant for a very long time. Tried to get my uh, sons into it with buying packs every now and then, stuff like that. So it wasn't until very recently that I got back in the hobby as a collector due to my oldest son, oddly enough, who had just graduated from uh, Temple with a dual major in uh, accounting and uh, financial planning and informed me of the whole breaking culture. So. In fact, it's become a great source of free cards for me because he'll open packs, take out a couple cards and give me the rest. So I have stacks and stacks of cards that I get for free from my son. Anyway, one thing that had always petrified me probably over the last 20, 25 years is uh, this collection that I've accumulated. It's a humble collection, but it's mine. I built it myself. Where does it go when you don't have anybody that, that is interested in your family? So fortunately for me now, I see the interest my son has, and it's brought me a little bit of a relief. Uh, I've organized everything. I have stuff that when I moved to my new house 20 years ago, was still bubble wrapped and shrink wrapped. And I've finally broken that out, put it all into the Beckett database, and it's it's all organized now. And it's got me back into it. I 
can't tell you how much I enjoyed the 2021 Heritage and the 2020 Heritage because those are my cards, right? 72, 71. So anyway, baseball, 94 strike. Like many, I stepped away a little bit from the game, got more into football, fantasy football takes over, and you become a fan of the game, the fan of football through fantasy football. And then I needed something in my spare time to pique my curiosity. So during NFL offseason, turns out soccer was the thing, and particularly European soccer. I don't watch the MLS. I don't consider that to be a true form of soccer or football due to the relegation promotion thing there, which we can discuss. But when you dig into European football, you find that it's like having five NFLs. There's one in England, there's one in France, Spain, Germany, uh, Italy. It's obviously the biggest sport in the world, but the, the pure passion of the fans, it's very tribal, very parochial. There's nothing to match that. You watch an NFL game where you can watch the Steelers play the Cardinals in Arizona and half the people are waving terrible towels. That doesn't happen in Europe. You sit with your people in your side of the stadium, you're segregated. There's no intermingling of fans of opposite teams. It's a pretty interesting dynamic. And then with all that, if you have a favorite club in England, you despise the other players from the other teams. And guess what? They all get together a couple of times a year and actually play for England. So then you have to root for that guy when he's playing for England, which is another interesting dynamic. That's where I am now. Generally, your sporting interest sometimes precedes your collecting interest. But you've told me you're still baseball centric in your collection, but more soccer centric in your interest and you're watching. Is that true? Uh, absolutely true. I get synced up because there, I have a lot of listeners that are listening for sports card insights and here's somebody that's really getting into soccer. When are you going to jump in on collecting more soccer cards? Are you not going to express it that way? That's a good question. I I told you previously that I have 80,000 baseball cards that I know of right now. And I have one soccer card that I got for my son, which is most of the world wouldn't even know who he is. So I don't know the answer to that because I went through a very an extended period where the NFL was in my mind 24 hours a day, and I never bought a football card then either. I think my collection habits have to do with obviously nostalgia, right? So it's my youth. And as an introvert, as a third child of two brothers that had already formed a relationship and, and they were best friends, it was me and my cards, sorting, stacking, whatever. And checking off every year, starting in 79, I guess, my almanac, checking, doing the checklist of my Beckett almanac every year. Yes, it, it is interesting. I don't know how you uh, unpack that, but again, I don't know a lot of the players these days, but I do know that all of a sudden I have Bo Bichette and Vlad, Vlad Jr. Like, where did these kids come? The players in soccer. Yeah, and it's, it's, hard, it's hard to track. Yeah, it's, hard, it's harder to track because there's so many of them. They, they only know the very top names in soccer. And right. it's like in baseball, if you only know the top a couple of guys, but is there tension, not tension, but you've mentioned your son, but see like he's a modern collector. And when I used to go to the Philadelphia shows, heavy vintage, heavy, and you're more of a vintage guy. And so how's that going to eventually coalesce or come together? I don't know, but I'm, I'm sitting here looking at a couple of cards that he just gave me that he has no idea who this guy is that's shaking Lou Gehrig's hand. It's Babe Ruth. He oh. just doesn't care. And I'm all right with that. I'll take his cast offs, right? I am, I guess what we call is it super vintage or ultra vintage? Because I'm being told now that vintage is the 80s and the 90s, which is confusing me. But it's a sense of nostalgia. One thing I get a kick out of is collecting these players in, in uh, the 70s where they all had mustaches and sideburns and long hair. And then you start to track back in your collection and it's crew cuts and stuff like that. You could see society change. Now the players I'm looking at, they have long hair again. They have tattoos, which is something we haven't seen before. We always talk about it being art, but it's also a reflection of sociology. Let's flip over to soccer because basically the soccer collectors are mainly hitting the shiny cards from the last few years. That, that's been the big boom in soccer. I know there's some collectors that try to go more vintage in soccer, but there's not a lot of vintage cards out. In the fact, there are more stickers from Panini and things like All that. All stickers. But so in soccer, you're more modern or you, if you did get into collecting soccer, would you pursue the vintage or would you pursue the modern? 
I'd pursue the modern for sure. And hands down, it'd be the modern. I have a team that I absolutely adore, Manchester City. And they're a modern football team, as you'd say. They've been built with a lot of money, but they've been built as an operation that can sustain itself. They put their money in their academy. They have clubs all around the world that are part of their, their football group. So I am the modern soccer fan. I'm not saying I'm the greatest fan, but I'm as diehard as most. The historical aspects don't intrigue me as much as the, the modern phenomenon does. Well, so you got a soccer set. It's English Premier League or whatever it is. And let's say there's 100 players in it. How familiar are you with all 100 players? Are you mainly realizing that a handful of them are dominant and the others are supporting players? Or are you pretty well versed all the way down the line? Because I'm wondering that people who collect soccer, the common card may not be a common card. It's just somebody they haven't heard of yet. Yeah, especially with the uh, international aspect. I know we're used to the your favorite players from the, the Caribbean. I, I know that we're used to that, but that's still, uh, in, in the broad scope, that's baseball draws from such a small uh, geographical location minus Asia. But soccer, they come from all over, right? South America, Africa, Asia as well as Europe. The players change because they can shift between leagues. You'll have a guy that Cristiano Ronaldo, probably the Messi-Ronaldo debate is huge. I'm a Messi guy, but Ronaldo is considered by most to be the best player in the world right now. A lot of people don't realize that he had a stint in England at Manchester United when he started out. So these players do that. They go over to Germany. An English player will go over to Germany when he's 17, 18 years old, and he'll come back a superstar. You probably don't know the name of what a guy that's considered maybe the best player in the world right now, Kevin De Bruyne, right? That name probably does not ring a bell to you, but Many soccer enthusiasts will agree with me that he's probably one of the best players in the world right now. So there's a lot of people that we haven't heard of, but they're stars in their sport. England, again, it's interesting because England has that relegation promotion aspect where the bottom three teams go down and the three teams from the division below come up. So each year you're getting through three new teams into your league, right? Another bunch of players to keep track of and, and are, they were good at one level or are they good at the next level. But you have some teams that can have 20 stars on them, Liverpool, City, maybe United, Chelsea. And you have some teams that have maybe two guys that can play on an elite team. If your collection or your series is stacked with people that has just as many people at the bottom 10 teams as they do the top 10 teams, chances are you probably never heard of most of those guys and never will hear from them again. They can't have value unless they're well-known, right? It helps to be great. But are there good examples of uh, soccer players that are not... uh, filling up a stat sheet and not scoring a lot of goals that are still highly collectible and very valuable? Yeah, I, I would say I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I can't name any off the top of my head because many people have a biased opinion that soccer is a boring sport with stats that aren't trackable outside of goals, saves, and maybe assists. But a lot of defensive players, the guy Virgil van Dijk on Liverpool is probably one of the best, if not the best defender in the world. He's out right now with, I think, an ACL. But most people haven't heard of him, but he's a very popular guy, probably collecting-wise, as well as a guy that doesn't accumulate a lot of stats because he's a central defender. He's the last line of defense before the goalie. But his presence has a huge impact when he's in there. And uh, Liverpool can attest to that this year because they've fallen off the pace because of he's been out the whole year, essentially. Okay. I hope this can be a high note, but tell me about your satchel page, 53 tops, because that sounds, is it, did somebody talk you out of it? Was it bad judgment? How did you come to release that iconic card? Bad judgment, right? It was probably a PSA six, I want to say. So it was in pretty good shape. That's a great yeah, card right. for 53. Wow. I could tell you I paid $300 for it on eBay in the late, 90s, right? I don't have a normal job. I'm in a live uh, event business, so concert tours, TV, film, trade shows, stuff like that. So my job isn't always the most stable. I've been very lucky in my last 35 years I've worked in the business. 2001, I was able to weather 9 11, and then 2008 rolled around, and I, I was just scared, Jim. I, I just scared and I sold it. I sold it for probably $650, $700. So to me, that was a, a nice ROI, but I know it doesn't. <laughs> 
it's again the ROI was fine, but it doesn't doesn't make me sleep better uh, now. That's for sure. Again, the positive note is that you made somebody very happy. Your loss is somebody else's gain, and sure. Uh, again, thanks, John, for being on. And more people are moving into soccer. It's not like baseball, as you said. The structure of the leagues is different. The the global nature, and I think, frankly, it makes it a little bit tougher. But here's the sports collecting insight I want to leave with: the fact that it's tougher means there's some real opportunity for knowledgeable soccer fans to understand the value structure of players and why they'd be willing to pick up cards, maybe cheap, from people that don't follow soccer as well. I want to encourage you to collect soccer. <laughs> I actually have a lot of soccer cards, but they're mainly older. And again, I don't want to be hounded because <laughs> people uh, do want them, but but I like them too. And they're, I've got some of them on my wall. So John Keating, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your wisdom and your insights. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in-